Hello and welcome back to the Two Beers Please podcast. I'm your one of your uh, hosts, uh, Yannick. I'm here with my other host, Matthew Smith. Uh, Heyo. There he is, the booming voice. You know, Matthew. New hellos. Heyo. Heyo. <laughs> What's Heyo. happening? Oh, there you go. Hey. Uh, oh gosh. Oh man. I had a. I had a. I had a friend who who listens to the podcast tell me that Matt has just the most interesting and unique voice in a good way. Uh, they were I like, I love a like, compliment. It was a good thing. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, I've just never heard anyone who sounds like him. And uh, I thought Sick. that was something I would share. Screw with you all you normie voices. Normies. All you normies. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, as always, make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at the number two BP underscore podcast and on Instagram at the two beers, please underscore podcast. Also, we are on Spotify. We are on Anchor. Anchor. And if you follow Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe, leave a review uh, so that we can get more people listening to the show. We got a lot of big topics today. The Dodgers are World Series champions again. Khabib still undefeated. And the Steelers are the last undefeated team in the NFL. Really exciting stuff all around. But first, I'm going to start it up, start us off. With a spooky fact of the day, it is the week of Halloween. We've got two more episodes before the Halloween season. Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've got two more uh, episodes the sound before design the Halloween team. season is over. Yeah, I was like, where's where's the button? Someone hit the button. And Matt really Q, Q. <clears throat> the, uh, oh the interns are, are lacking today. Yeah, it's okay. They, they had a rough time. It's all right. We, we don't treat them very well. So that's that's... That's fair. They're they're out oh, together. I'll get better. Um, but yeah, Matt. No. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, we don't. No one. No one. Uh, there's nothing actually going on. Please, no one report us yeah. for employee. Uh, I don't know <laughs> why. How did they? Well, I mean, if anyone's like, I. So first off, I don't know how they got this intern, but apparently they're also not treating it well. Like. <laughs> Someone leaves a review. Um, I suppose I wouldn't feel too bad about an unpaid internship when I'm not, you know, really getting any monetary gain from this. So it's not like, you know, I'm like, you're, you'd be getting what I get, but I suppose that's probably hey, why we don't I have treat an intern. everyone equally monetarily. Everyone gets treated equally here monetarily. So yep. none of us make anything. There you go. Equal value, but, uh, equal pay. Oh boy. Oh man. So much wrong. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. All right. Spooky fact of the day, Matt. Uh, you'll like this one because you're all things English Isles. Uh, did you know that Halloween trick-or-treating has actually existed since the medieval days? It used to be called guising in Scotland and England, and it's where people would go around, as you would assume, dressed up in costumes, but they would ask for food and money in exchange for songs, poems, and something that was specified as other quote-unquote tricks. Whatever that means, like pooping on your doorstep, I suppose. Give me some money and I'll do it. Um, but yeah, that's your spooky fact of the day. Guising is what led up to what happens nowadays uh, in the trick-or-treating world. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, people going around singing songs for money. I mean, that that happens still. It's a it's a it's an interesting pastime to think about. Did you well so wait, when did you move to Iowa? I moved to Iowa uh, in this in the second year of high school. So in twenty, okay. so most yeah. of your childhood you weren't in Iowa. But dude, yeah. So like because it's it's still so like cool to me how like even regional 
like trick or treating and like the different names that like people like different regions give it or like in, in West Des Moines, we do trick or treat on the 30th. Like we do it before Halloween and you have to tell a joke to get candy. If wow. You, tell a joke, you don't get candy. I love that. Yeah. And that's like that. And like, you know, growing up, I was like, that's what everyone does. But of course that's not the case. Um, oh man. <laughs> what, wait, what was your, what, like when you came up, what, what were your what was your Halloween like tradition as a as a child? Uh normal, really. I mean, I I always went out. Well, with not, no, not normal because I just told you what I thought was normal. Well, you and... know that yours is not normal, Matt. You just said no, it. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is everyone has their own normal. I'm not saying that mine isn't not normal. I think mine is normal. I think the rest of you are weirdos. Okay. Like that's how, so I'm wondering what your normal was. Okay, so normal was the wrong word. I guess the more traditionally thought of trick-or-treating is the one that I've always, you know, grown up in. Me and my brother, who's a couple years younger, you know, we always dressed up and went around the neighborhood. And if it was a particularly good year and some good weather, uh, after we went trick-or-treating in my neighborhood, my parents would drive us to the bougie neighborhood next door. Oh, yeah. We would trick-or-treat there. And that's where that's where we got the good stuff. That's where we got right. the the king size stuff happened over there and uh you know it, it was fun it was always like lame at the beginning and it was all like the kids out and about and then we're like we go into the rich neighborhood now though like we go into we go into glenwood let's go to step glenwood. it up a little bit like that was we had we had just like one cul-de-sac in like the back uh, just like part of our neighborhood that was like some bigger houses that you're like yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get the king size bars but then there was one house that always like they weren't even like completely dark. Like they just like had their lights on and never had decorations and never handed out candy. Like it was the same house every year. I always remembered it. And I was just like, oh, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I come on, guys, like yeah. get with the season. You don't have to put up. We're not asking that you put up 80 million decorations. Right. But, but give up some candy, you hang know, a, like yeah, hang a skeleton, go buy a couple, you know, Mixed bags of Skittles and M&Ms and, you know, take an hour or two out of your night. There you go. What else are you doing? Come on. What else are you doing on that night? And also, if this is in West Des Moines, you get like a free comedy show, basically, for doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there you go. Tons of entertainment. There you go. Tons of entertainment. Oh, Dude, having God. a good – that was always like a, like a thing, too. Like, because, you know, you'd get together with your buddies or whatever and, like, go trick-or-treating. So you'd be like, yo, what's your – What's your joke? You'd always want to have the best joke. There you go. Yeah. And I'm sure that bred I really a lot remember of, a good one. That bred a lot of comedians out of the Western Iowa area. And I, I mean, I'm sure that's really. <laughs> it's yeah, you nailed it. It is. Oh, boy. In case you didn't know. Out of stand-ups, it's all because of that. Yeah. Yeah. SNL built off the back of the Western Iowa tradition of telling jokes at Halloween. Really, yeah. uh, we owe all our comedy to it. All right, buddy. Uh, how are we feeling today? You know, we're uh, a, a week away from the election. We're into the Halloween. It's a weird week. There's a lot going on. So how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I, I voted and that. So got all that done, which is nice because it can be, you know, a hurdle or two in your way. But got that all done. It, it is such a nice, rewarding feeling. Um, you know, obviously this year there's, a lot of anxiety of, of regarding the election and everything, but I think anytime you know you get to vote, even just separating it from 
you know, this specific seven election. It is a rewarding thing to do. It's something that we're very lucky to be able to do. Um, certainly our governmental systems are not perfect, but we do have some things that uh, many people in this world don't don't have. So glad I got to do that. Um, just feels good. And, and my fantasy teams, I went undefeated this weekend. Nice. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't win all my games. I Daryl Henderson, I needed eight points from him. He got me seven. So I got a tie on Monday night. I had Malcolm Brown on the bench. He would have gotten me the win, but it's oh. fine. I go 4-0-1 for the week. Technically still, you know, undefeated, and and I'll take it. It was it was a good fantasy week. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I uh, am filling out my absentee ballot today to drop off later this week. Uh, I wanted to, you know, not wait in the line, so I made sure that I didn't have to, you know, doing that kind of, uh, in a different way. And yeah, I, I also think voting is a big important thing for all of us as Americans to do. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard us say it a million times, we'll say it one more time, you know, go vote. It's too late to send in your absentee ballot. You got to go in person. So you go in person and vote and, uh, get it done. Uh, because yeah, you're Matt's right. It's not, it's, it's something we forget often, but it's not a right afforded to, uh, as many people as you would think it is. So, and you know, it's something that you, it's, it's your right and your privilege to do. So make sure you go out and do that. But yeah, feeling good. I'll obviously a lot of anxiety, but you know, I, by doing your, by doing my civic duty, I feel like I've done as much as I can about it. And so it, you know, I have to, regardless, you're right. Like the, the two party system needs to, you know, it needs to be figured out. There's a lot of issues that need to be figured out. So regardless uh, there's, you know, some, there's activism to be had, I think afterwards, and, uh, we will deal with that as it comes. Uh, I went three and one in fantasy. So I also did pretty okay. Uh, my one was, I had like everybody from the Ravens on by plus Christian McCaffrey on my bench. So it was going to be a bad week regardless. It was my kind of lose week. And yeah, I, I, in our, in our league, Matt, the one that me and Matt are in together, I was on the way out, my friend. I, I was, I was 10 points up with the other guy having Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And, and and to put this into perspective, they both got 11 points. So the, he would have won very easily. And I had one more player to go. And it was my guy that I traded for this week. Tyler Lockett got me 56 points in that league. I mean, I crushed him. And so I feel pretty good after a good trade there uh, to kind of secure me the win. I started off. Oh, and two. I am now four and three. So on my way to uh, a good. Who's uh, who's number one? In the, who's on top of the standings in that league? Uh, I think it's probably. Uh, let me check, guys. This is going to be a live check of the fantasy standings, and we'll tell you who's leading. And uh, oh, I also changed my name because I've given up on the Patriots. So I did that as well. Um. Right, I said lock, lock it like it's hot. I, mm-hmm. That's kind of good where change. I'm. It was a good change. Uh, Matt Smith, you're on top. Is that why you said it? You 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 jerk. <laughs> he I may have known the answer. Oh my goodness! I what was kind of I was kind of expecting you to like know that I was like asking that question as a, as oh. a douchebag, and oh. so when you when you were like, oh, I gotta go check. Uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be even more perfect. Like, this is going to – That was a great guy. Yeah, wonderful. Dude, I, was, I last week it was me against um, Font, who – the font, the Phantom of the Opera, who has a really good team. I was like, I was like, I'm probably going to get crushed because my team's been, like, 
good, but not great. So I kind of thought I was going to fall in a battle of the five and one teams, but <laughs> thank you for letting that play out. Just absolutely perfectly. <laughs> Matt Smith. Oh, right, that was, there pig. was no, there was, you, you freaking, uh, that was not planned at all. I was like, Oh, I'm going to tell who the leader is, tell you where me and Matt stand. And I was Matt, yeah. Matt set that up. That was a perfect setup. That was the alley-oop of the episode for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, our league's looking really good. You know, we, I, we're, we're both top four, you know, probably on our way. Obviously, hard to say for me because I'm like one win away from everybody, but you're definitely on your way. Ah, oh, man, you guys are scoring a lot of points. I've got 896 points. Uh, everybody around me, though, in the top six has over 900. So I got some, I got some ground to make up for sure. I, I, uh, but I also have the second most scored on me, so I just have had some weird games. I think this is what's going on here. Yeah, that can, uh, that's always a real crusher. It's like sometimes it doesn't, or like there's somebody that's like up there that hasn't scored a ton, and like if you're like, how do you have such a good record? And it's because like just scored against them has been nothing. Right, exactly, and it, 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 yeah, it's really like look at Deepon here, who's who's right on the outside looking in. And he hasn't had the best scoring, but like he's also been scored on for the tune of a thousand points. In, in oh my gosh! So that has, is that the most? That has to be the most, right? It's the most. Yeah, it's the most. It's the most by like ninety points. Like it's very much the most. It's it's unfortunate for him, but uh, you know, happens. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. But yeah, I mean, we're we're both doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well considering my first round pick went a long time ago. Uh, I've made some good trades. I picked up Mike Davis, traded him for Tyler Lockett. So I basically turned a waiver pick into Tyler Lockett. My other two starting running backs, James Robinson, who I picked up, and Miles Gaskin, who I picked up. Uh, so I'm feeling I'm feeling smart, if anything. Maybe not the best, but I'm feeling I'm feeling intelligent. So that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Gotta make some moves. Gotta make some moves. All right, Matt. Let's get into it. Let's get into the podcast. Uh, you know what though? I we, we can't believe I almost forgot this part of the podcast name, and I was just ready to jump into the action. The local pub. What are we drinking, my friend? Hey man, I got a I got a Modelo. I got I got a case of them um, for the Hawkeye game, which you know we'll we'll talk about more. I'm sure later in the week. Not not a great showing by the team, but it was a great call out of me to get a case of Modelo, and I remembered to get limes. So the perfect, nice, refreshing beer. And like I say, it's always just nice to have uh, the Modelo with like UFC. So post big UFC weekend, the uh, the Modelo just goes goes with it. You know, cue cue the music. What are you What are you drinking, my man? I'm drinking one of my faves, a Shock Top, a classic Belgian white Shock Top. Uh, yeah, it's just always a good one for me to drink. That and Blue Moons are kind of my go tos whenever I don't know what else to drink. And I really like the the mantra of the Shock Top Belgian White, which is the beer that's always around to chill and be chilled. So hey. I, lo- I love that. Yeah, that's that's what I want out of a beer. I want it cold and I want it classy. So there we go. Love it. Love it. Another good trip to the beer garden. All right. The question of the day, Matthew. There is talk of a European Super League to replace the Champions League, which would see a top 18 intercontinental round-robin style play between all the top teams in Europe, leading to a knockout round championship. So think the NFL, basically. This would help gain a lot of money because every week you'd have 
TV showing Titanic clashes between top clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern, Liverpool, PSG, Juventus, blah, 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 blah. But it would also completely change the face of the domestic leagues. You know, it, it begs the question, if top teams, do they stay in both leagues? Because then they'll definitely just prioritize the Super Cup. So, like, why would they even play in the domestic? And if they leave, are those leagues even still relevant without those big teams? And it would abolish our much-loved Champions League and any chance of a small team Cinderella story scenario winning those because small teams aren't even in. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? What do we feel about this? Uh, Obviously, it's Real Madrid and Barcelona who are really pushing the envelope with this. Of course it is. Of course it is. So, like, what are we thinking? Do we think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Give me your thoughts. It's it's garbage. I I, I hate this idea so much. And you know, it, it, the sad thing is, we see it every few years. And of course, it's Real Madrid and Barcelona, who I yes, I understand bring a lot of money into La Liga, but they still rely on eighteen other teams to compete against in La Liga to make that money. So you can think you're doing it all by yourself, but you're not. No, I mean, you know, it's it's in these moments where it's like I don't enjoy being a Manchester United fan, though. You know, there are times when when the structure of soccer follows, you know, because it is kind of an old school sport and, and maybe even more, you know, European Western, but it kind of has an, a structure of older days. And it really is most of the time the haves and the have nots and the influence of wealth being really the only way that you can join the exclusive club. You know, we, we've seen City and PSG. And, and even RB Leipzig, you know, all need an influx of a ridiculous amount of cash to compete. And then, you know, nobody likes them for it because they have this ridiculous amount of cash. But all the teams that were winning previously already had that, you know, so it, it's this hypocrisy when really all of them are doing just fine. Uh, but, you know, it like it is just most of the time, like we've seen Bayern's dominance in, in Bundesliga. We've seen Juventus's dominance in Serie A. That's not enjoyable. It's it's why we were so excited in 2016 when Leicester was able to win the the Premier League. Because even the Premier League with with a little more, you know, variation in winners is still not a ton. You know, the past decade, City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Uh, So, you know, it's this plan is, is all about giving the same power players an even bigger monopoly on the money, influence and success in the world of soccer. They they can tell us. You know, they always do this, too. They tell us it's about, like, the greater good, that it's really going to help the, the, the smaller clubs with all this money and stuff. But it's about them putting more money in their pockets. That's it. You, you can't tell me differently. You can feed me shit and tell me it's chocolate cake, but it's still shit. Like, the, these are greedy corporations that just want more money. Uh, and, you know, and, and honestly, if it goes through and this ever does happen, because it does every few years, you know, these clubs kind of like, ah, maybe we'll break away. If it happens, it, it Domestic competitions are going to crumble. You said Champions League will go away. Like I, I hate to think of, of the state of soccer if it becomes even more of a haves and, and have-nots. And, and, you know, we centralize the influence of the sport with fewer clubs. Right. And I'm so glad we agree on this. It's an absolute trash idea. And let's also talk about why Real Madrid and Barcelona are the ones pushing it besides them being big clubs who want a lot of money. It's also because they're big clubs in big debt. So they want this to basically oust them of their debt and help them deal with that. Barcelona, like Real Madrid's the one that's pushing it because they're Los Galacticos in terms of money. But Barcelona, the reason that they came out and said we're in for it 
Barcelona's ready to leave La Liga whenever they want. Like, as soon as Barcelona, the city, is, like, seceding from Spain, they're like, F you at La Liga. So they don't care about La Liga. They don't. They never have. So them saying that this is for, like, their own country's league is complete BS. And the reason that these two are pushing is because they're in a lot of debt because of the way that they've handled themselves financially. And they want to basically get it clean without having to give up anything, just like Manchester City did, which is also a team that's in talks. To, you know, it's like those teams. PSG is the same. I would hope Bayern being the tradition club that they are, they have not spoken out about it. I, I would hope that they, you know, with the way that German soccer is, especially all being about tradition, you know, I would hope that, I would hope that they would go against it, but I'm also very aware that it's a lot of money there too. And if there was this push for it by other clubs that they would join. So I am also disappointed as a team of a big fan to think that that would be something that would happen. But yeah, it's an absolutely trash idea. You know, domestic leagues are already being dominated. So why destroy them completely? You know, just say, just come out and say, we don't want any clubs that aren't these 15. Like why have those clubs at all? Like at at that point, you know, so it, 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 begs the question of what they're really thinking here and honestly fifa if you're like wanting to figure out what to do with your money which it seems like you are like where do we put money you know find a way to put money back in the leagues like you know infantino's been good about saying like you know okay so super leagues work in countries in in continents even where none of the clubs are getting any traction so he's proposed an african super league because the african clubs you don't know that i mean can you name any off the top of your head matt no, yeah, well, exactly. They don't have the, they don't have exactly. the, the, the cloud. They don't have the money. They don't have like it's not right. even a yeah. It's not a and comparable. That's where it would work. That's yeah. where it would, and work. would be great. That would be, that would be an awesome. That would be a, a genius thing. And even then, like too, like that is something from a perspective of like if you did it in Africa or even Asia, uh, like I think from from starting from those places, I think then you, it would help expand those lead the like leagues inside each country as opposed to if you did it in Europe now it would it would crumble it and like the leagues might still go on but like like you said like if everyone decides to go Bayern Munich they they honestly can't be like no we're gonna still just play in Bundesliga and and have have fun have fun all the other great teams like they just can't as a club as a business as a competitive team like for every reason they can't do that like it would it would be idiotic and like it wouldn't make sense for them in, in any sense of, of like financially competitively but yeah i like it it's just and i get you know real madrid and barca too like they are the only la liga teams that are making money i, I like they do kind of carry those teams but as i said it is, you know it's a collective thing and i understand too like financially for their league sometimes it's sometimes you know what's going on with the country and, and their, you know, economics and stuff. It can be, you know, far bigger than, than just the soccer world, but like then focus on building up your league, make your league right. more exciting. Like make it not just Real and Barca. And like, I, like part of the reason that the premier league is making more money is because like there are, there's not, it's not just fans of Manchester United. They've been able to go and get fans of Everton. They've been able to go and, and create fans of Tottenham, of, of, Southampton, like Leicester, like teams that aren't just the top, because then you get people watching so many more games. Right, exactly, exactly. And and I think in the end, Barcelona, Real Madrid, maybe PSG will want to push this because those are teams that 
exist on their own and and in leagues that exist as their own teams. But I think hopefully before it becomes an actual decision, I think England is another place, the Premier League, where, you know, tradition means a lot in terms of having all those clubs competing against each other. Bundesliga. Premier League is kind of like, like, it would almost be like the SEC in this situation where like they kind of could be, kind of could be like, we don't really need you guys. You probably need us more than we need. Like, I think the Premier League is probably the one league that could, like those top clubs probably could be like, yeah, we can stay here because just as being like an English speaking nation, like they have a, a stronger foothold in America and such and such. But yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah, think, I, I don't see it happening. It, yeah. It, if, if ever there, I mean, COVID is going to be the one time where it's a worry because everyone's suffering economically and they're going to try to make a dumb decision about it. But I, I don't see it happening either. And like in that case, I, I you know, I think you have the SEC with the Premier League and kind of with, you know, Bayern and Dortmund being the only two teams that really compete European wise, but still having a decent amount of, you know, you have Gladbach, you have Leverkusen, you have Leipzig, stuff like that. You know, you kind of have a Big Ten situation in Germany, you know, very traditional, very in themselves. And and so I I think that those two will be able to sway whatever people that La Liga is trying to grab and PSG for that matter. And yeah, they're just there's so many hands in the jar over there in Spain. There's so much corruption in that league. That's what they need to sort out before they try telling the rest of Europe how to deal with themselves. You know, the European Super League doesn't need to exist. African Super League, absolutely. Combine MLS and La Liga Mex, absolutely. You know, South American Super League, that'd be awesome. It would be awesome. Dude, or like, I mean, heck, for the Americas, you could do a full. I mean, you could just do America's Super League. You know, right from. Chile to Canada, like it would, it would be great. Would be great. Yeah. You'd have like Boca Juniors going against Atlanta United. I'd love that, you know. And and maybe the flight thing is a little weird there, but regardless, like I I think there's places you can institute that idea that it will actually help. And Europe, not one of them, not one of them. So I'm glad we agree there. Uh, I think we're both pretty set about like we're fans of top clubs, but we both are pretty. Uh, against corruption in terms of in terms of you know top clubs necessarily having the hold over everything um it's easier for you to say obviously with Bayern being so dominant in Germany you know I I kind of have to eat my own tongue sometimes when I talk about that but uh I definitely agree that like I, I, I sometimes love- dominance too is but sometimes dominance too is just financially and there's few clubs that financially dominate like United. I mean we're a club that has more money than we know what to do with so and Unfortunately, and especially in soccer, like that, that's true currency, so to speak. Right, exactly. Yeah, but we shall see what happens. We'll keep you updated if something does happen and we'll have lots to say about it if it does. But for now, it's just a rumor. Hopefully it stays that way. All right, let's go on to the main topics. We're going to start you right where the champions are and where are the champions It is in L.A. once again. That's right. The Dodgers win their first World Series since 1988. The Lakers and Dodgers won their championships within 16 days of each other. You know, the last time that the Dodgers won uh, and the Lakers won at the same time? 1988. And it was actually the first time that a city won both at the same time. So kind of a little history repeating itself there. Corey Seager gets the MVP at two home runs, a .4 batting average was hot all playoffs uh you know you're a really great player him and rosarina were kind of battling each other for records there they win the series in six uh four to two obviously last night 
And kind of the surprising storyline here, the Dodgers pitchers out dealt the Rays pitchers, which we all came in thinking the Rays pitchers, you know, but Walker Bueller, Urias, obviously Clayton Kershaw, they outpitched the team with quote unquote, the best pitching staff with Blake Snell, with Tyler Glasnow, with Charlie Morton. So that's kind of where they wanted in alongside their batters. Uh, you know, lots of great storylines here is the pitchers highest combined strikeout rate in postseason history. And uh, Clayton Kershaw, we talked about him, Matthew, he redeemed himself. He went 2-0 and in the World Series, adds most strikeouts in postseason history and a World Series ring to his Hall of Fame resume. We're, we're so happy to see it. You know, he dealt. He dealt this time and he came back and it was really nice. Um, there's also some controversy here to talk about, which I'll bring up. But what do we what do we think of the Dodgers World Series victory? Yeah, I mean, I it, Dodgers wise, it's, it's a wonderful win for them, for the city of L.A., um, you know, three out of four appearances as National League champions, barely missed out on making it four out of four, you know, been so, so close and really have been the best team in the MLB over, you know, the last three or four years, just haven't been able to make it over that hump. Of course, that pain only compounded this offseason with the cheating scandal kind of implicating, obviously, implicating the Astros, but even kind of implicating the Red Sox. You know, I'm sure they had just even more kind of feelings towards both those World Series of, of like, damn, you know, we should have had it. Um, but, you know, stuck with it and, and got it done. It's a long time coming for, for the Dodgers, for Kershaw, as you mentioned. Um, it's a nice performance by him. Always ask now, you know, to, can the champions repeat? Um, baseball, I think, is probably the toughest sport to do it. There hasn't been a champion that's made back-to-back World Series since Philly won in 2008 and then came back in 2009 to lose. And then to win them back-to-back, it hasn't been the Yankees since they won three straight from 98 to 2000. Um, but – I think, you know, as far as the MLB champions go, you're like, this team has as good a chance as anyone. Um, last night, though, I what are the Rays doing? I mean, what are the Rays ho- doing? Horrible, 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 horrible decision to, to pull Blake Snell. I, he, the guy's been their best pitcher over the last few years. Like, I know Glasnow's gotten a few more of the headlines this year, but it's more just because Snell had him, you know, he was the new guy where Snell was that two years ago when he won the Cy Young, and he was – Dealing like he was when he won the Cy Young, you know, not nine strikeouts. And I, I just, it, you don't know how the game was going to go. The Dodgers still, still certainly could have went one. Um, but I, it's a horrible, horrible call because like, I, I thought the pitching staffs were basically a push. Um, and then the Dodgers bats were, were the difference. So when you've got a guy that's pitching that well and containing an offense that is that prolific, I mean, I think you just, you gotta, you gotta roll with it when it's game six and like everything about logic and anything can tell you, Oh, we should pull him. You have to say, no, that's probably our best player. Keep the ball in his hand and, and let's see what happens. Right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and what Matt is talking about, Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell in the sixth, they were one zero up. He had pitched past the Dodgers top three MVP, Corey Seager, Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger twice already. And so due to analytics, he said, you know, he doesn't like a pitcher seeing batters three times in a row. So he he does lose him that game, if not the World Series. You know, hard to say about that. I think the Dodgers would have grabbed it anyway. Not but the time for analytics. Right, not the time for time analytics. For, this is the best player on your team. Give him the ball. He's pitching well. He's also, like, he's one of those pitchers that's a real cocky son of a bitch that, like, the more strikeouts he sees, the more outs he sees, the more confidence he gets. Like, he like – he, you want you want that kind of player in that moment, and and I understand the logic of of your you know 
how you deal with pitchers as a manager. But two, this, this would be, you know, the second to last game of the year. You got maybe two games left. Yeah, I think you got to just kind of right. focus, focus on what's right in front of you. Yeah, I'm sure no one feels worse than Kevin Cash right now for sure. But, I mean, it was a bad call. It was a bad, 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 bad call. Kind of puts a black mark on the on the win. But they still win it. Another black mark kind of on the win. Some controversy with Justin Turner. So Justin Turner tested positive for the coronavirus mid-game. They pulled him out. He still went on the field to celebrate. It seems to be one of the bigger storylines of the baseball world right now, despite you know the storyline being the Dodgers should win should have won, you know, won the World Series for the first time in 32 years. What are we what are our thoughts, you know, like should the MLB have intervened? I I am kind of on the thinking of what were the Dodgers going to do? Justin Turner's a free agent. Like he might not play with the Do- this is going to be his last chance to like celebrate. So like I don't know. I I think he should have been smarter about wearing a mask. He actually did go out with a mask on, but he also like took it off several times and he seemed pretty adamant that he was going to be out there regardless of what anyone told him, but should have, should MLB have stepped in, you know, when they got the test, like what are, what are our thoughts on that situation? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that when I saw it happen too, I was just like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be so, ah, oh, this is a big deal. Oh, this isn't a big deal. Um, should he have been out there? No, he shouldn't have. Yeah. But Justin Turner has been with the Dodgers since 2014. He's he he's been kind of the leader. Whether I mean whether he's the best player or not, he's he's been that you know the guy that everyone kind of turns to in that dugout, uh, in that you know just part of that team for the last few years. Even with you know a guy like Kershaw there, like he he is the guy. And uh, I think like how much he's been through with this team and 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 everything you're going to get like caught up in that moment and you're want to, you're going to want to go celebrate. Like you're going to be with, with your guys. And like, there's probably going to be some part of you that like, you probably don't even think about like the pandemic because the last four years of, of your career has just, you know, come to this moment where you're not, you're not even thinking logically. Um, I think Jessica, Jess Mendoza earlier on get up, I think said it best where she said the Dodgers should have, as soon as they, you know, got the test and they took him away from the team in the second inning, um, they they should have got a car and gotten him out of there, because because what was he going to do? Like you can't put that temptation in front of the guy and expect him to be like, yeah, I'll just wave here from the like remove him from the situation because it was going to be so so tough. Probably should not have been out there, but like you know, it's it's a a dumb mistake. Um, hopefully, you know, it one of those things that. You know, it doesn't turn into, as, as we know, it can turn into something a lot, you know, bigger than than it is right now. Um, so hopefully it does not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think like I think you got to help that guy help himself and just be like, I, I'm sorry, like we you can't be here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, if it, you can tell you can tell an ex-boyfriend that they shouldn't stay next to their girlfriend. They should, but if you put the girlfriend in front, you know, at a party, they're gonna go talk to her. If you stay, if they're trying to go talk. Are, to her. Well, if you guys are gonna try and stay friends, like you're not yeah. gonna, you're gonna keep feelings. There you go. Yeah, yeah it, like it, 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 it. I think if the Dodgers shouldn't, if the Dodgers weren't gonna do it, the MLB should have said, "Get him the hell out of there." Get him the hell out of there. It's like, it's going to be on them if anything goes sideways now. Like the Dodgers, you know, what are they, what were they going to do? They should have had the foresight, but they're also like in the middle of a game 
and trying to deal with everything else. Like, I think the MLB should have been stronger about it. And I think this goes on them ultimately. And, you know, especially the Dodgers, though, could have made a Dave Roberts, a cancer survivor. Like he is one of those guys with preconditions. Like if he gets coronavirus, it could be a really big deal. So I think. Right. And I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure Dave Roberts would kind of be like, I wanted Justin Turner to be there. Right. So like, yeah. Another thing of like, you can't, you like kind of have to help, help these guys help themselves because it's got, it is like going to be really tough to not like we, we all, we've all had to not, you know, funerals have had to be missed. Weddings have had to be missed. This is like, it, we know how tough it is to miss these monumental moments in our lives. So like, help the guy out because too, like once the celebration started, who wanted to be the person to be like, Hey, Justin, I know you're having a good time celebrating with your teammates and getting pictures, but you got to get the hell out of it. Like nobody wanted to probably be like the Debbie downer, like get just yeah. avoid it all. Get him out. He can celebrate later, but uh, yeah. Right. It's an unfortunate situation, but the real storyline, Dodgers win after 32 years. Dave Roberts also banishes the Ghosts, lost, you know, lost to the previous four World Series winners three times in the actual World Series. Uh, so he banishes those Ghosts as well. Congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers. Congratulations to the city of L.A. Hopefully you get your parade sometime here soon where things clear up. Uh, and we'll be looking forward to seeing both those teams celebrate. Let Take us over to the UFC, Matthew. We had a big one this weekend. I oh, ate my words yeah. immediately. Tell us about it. <laughs> it was, you know, I, what what a weekend. Um, you know, a fight we've talked about for quite a lot while since since Gaethje's big win against Tony Ferguson. We've expected this fight and then we're rewarded with it. And it was everything. It, there's a few other things that happened that night. Alexander Volkov earning a great TKO over Walt Harris in the second round of his heavyweight fight. Uh, of course, we saw Robert Whitaker defeating Jared Cannonier in a very tightly contested fight. He did get the unanimous decision, so it's a great win for Whitaker, and we'll see if he's able to get himself a rematch with Israel Adesanya for the middleweight championship. Uh, and then uh, fights of the night going to Casey Kinney and Nathaniel Wood, who fought at the catchweight 140. Uh, pardon me, unanimous decision going for Casey Kinney. Those guys getting the 50000 bonus the fight of the night award, but really this, you know, this night all about Gaethje, Naraga Madoff, the Eagle against the human highlight reel. You know, we, we knew Justin Gaethje was, was going to come into this fight fearless, not going to give up until he physically could no longer. Um, and then in classic Khabib style, the Eagle made that happen with a phenomenal triangle choke in the second round that made Justin go limp. Uh, most people, you know, in the UFC world, we thought it. I think most people close to, you know, the sport thought that Gaethje was going to be one of the bigger tests for Khabib. You know, he's got the power in those fists and those punches and the wrestling prowess that uh, we've talked about so much to kind of deal with Khabib and, and Khabib's ability on the ground. But in the end, Khabib did what he always does. You know, he, he dominated Gaethje physically, almost got him in the first round with a submission, but then moved on second round, masterfully pulled off the triangle choke. Uh, apparently he did the triangle choke instead of the arm bar because he saw that Justin Gaethje's parents were there and he didn't want to injure Justin in front of his parents. I, he told, I believe he told, uh, Daniel Cormier this. Uh, so like he didn't want to hurt get Justin. So he's like, I won't do the arm bar. I'll do the triangle choke, which is just like, you're a really nice guy. And also insanely talented to be like, you know what? 
I was going to submit this guy in this fashion, but uh, I'll go this one because the parents are here. Like, absolutely insane. And then the big story, uh, you know, right after the fight, Khabib absolutely overcome with emotion, kind of fell to the middle of the octagon. He, he's always kind of an emotional guy to fight, but we'd never seen anything like that. Ended up retiring after the fight, uh, citing the passing of his father, which happened uh, a few months ago, and a promise to his mother about this being his last fight. Uh, just, like I said, overcome with emotion. Leaves behind a 29-0 record in the UFC. Certainly the most impressive, unblemished record in the sport. For me, it's hard not to believe that that's the last fight for Khabib. Um, I don't think, you know, most of the time a fighter retires because they want to make a little more money. And I don't like, fighter-wise, I don't think Khabib's the kind of guy that really is like, yeah, $50 million is going to get me back. Like, I, I don't think that's what motivates him. Um, I do think greatness and I think a love of the sport do. So I think the dust will settle, and I, and I do think we'll see Khabib fight again. But if not, you know, where does this leave him all time? It's hard for me to give him the greatest of all time where he leaves it right now. I still lean more George St. Pierre and probably Bones Jones. Um, but the path is still there for him to come back and take that crown. As you said, you know, 29-0. But I think, you know, maybe a few more defending of that of that crown, maybe uh, moving up a weight class. Um but uh, I hope we see him again, if not still one of the, the all-time great UFC careers by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, signing off Khabib Nurmagomedov, really, really amazing fighter and definitely in that conversation uh, for the best fighter of all time, regardless of where you want to put him. You know, I kind of lead towards he's not coming back for the for the reasons that you said, just because it's not for money. It's not because he's tired and he can get, you know, it, it, it is a very family thing and he seems like a very family person. So I think he'll probably hold to that even if he doesn't want to. But we'll see. I hope I hope to see him again. You know, obviously we all do. And uh, hopefully he finds it in him to find a reason to fight again. But regardless, fantastic. Uh, I mean, the fact that someone is so dominant that they can think about how they want to end someone in like a big title, in like a big fight like that. Right. It's, right. It's like, you know, how do I, I beat I, you? I, I'm going to beat you. Gonna how do way, I beat you? But, uh, and like, they're like, that. not even like changing, changing the strategy. Cause like he like got there and like saw, Oh, you know, Justin looks uh, bigger than I thought, or like quicker than I thought. I'm going to go for this move. Like, no, your parents are here. So I don't want to break your arm in front of your parents. So I'm just I'm just going to knock you unconscious for a little bit. Like the guy is an absolute animal, epitomizes everything that is that's great in the MMA. And uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you where like I think his word, I, 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 I think for as far as he's concerned right now, he's not coming back. But I think, you know, a couple of years, I think he'll want to come back. I think his mom will probably be like, yeah, I, I feel more comfortable. Like I get why she wouldn't want him to go right now because of – there's a lot that's going on that, you know, in the future should not be going on. So hopefully we see him again. But if not, cheers to to really uh, such a fun fighter to watch. Like the guy isn't he's not somebody that goes and tries to find the red carpet like Conor McGregor. But as a fighter, he's as entertaining as they're like it is like he he wants to put on a show. He wants to come for a dude and like he doesn't play it safe. He wants to show he's the best um, and. It was fun listening to Cormier talk so much about him since they're teammates. And like, he was like, you know, Khabib loves being the dude. So. Yeah. 
It's it, it was, yeah. He's just a great person as well as a great fighter, which is hard to say sometimes with the personalities that we see uh, in the UFC world. But and also Daniel Cormier, great person. So of course they're good friends. Makes sense. Love Daniel Cormier. Love Daniel Cormier. You know what? what, I what hope- a gym to train in. I want to go train in, in their gym. I don't. I die. Are you kidding me? I would die. I didn't think uh, fight him. I said train. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping for, you know, if we see Khabib again, let's see Khabib one more time. Let it be in a year when George St. Pierre wants to fight him just for his last fight in the comeback. Like, let's see that fight, George St. Pierre and Khabib. That's what I want to see. I think that'd be dope. I would watch that fight so fast. And yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows about the future? You know, the UFC has so many revolving doors here and there and it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but yeah, congratulations yeah, I mean, to guys, Khabib. Guys can be guys can be in the top one second, and then you know, out of nowhere, they're like a no, they're a nobody. You know, they're like it. it right, the, the exactly. changes so so quickly, um, but time should tell. Yeah, time will tell. But for now, we've enjoyed the career. Of Khabib Nurmagomedov, thank you so much for giving us so many entertaining fights over the year, the Eagle.